You've probably noticed that buying things and food has become more expensive. Today, we're talking about Economy 101 and what you could do in this situation. Stay tuned. This is Thrive 1110 with Bold Care A of Bold Care Financial, guiding you toward business success and bringing clarity to personal finance. This is Thrive 1110. So welcome to this episode of Thrive 1110, the show that gives you practical business and money tips so you can thrive. You can re-listen to past episodes of Thrive 1110 on chri.ca or by going on thrive1110.ca and you can also find past episodes on iTunes and Spotify, Thrive 1110. So I'm Bol Kere, your host, and uh, today we are talking about a situation that is impacting everyone. One way or another, this situation is impacting you and I and that situation is the rapidly rising cost of life. Let me give you a little, a little bit of, um, let me give you some numbers here. So in August and September, the official inflation has been above 4% compared to the same time last year. That is compared to August and September of 2020. This is the highest inflation we've seen since the early 2000s, since 2003, actually. So to put it simply, um, for those that are wondering what the term inflation means, inflation could be understood as the increase of the cost of life. In other words, it is how much the price of the same goods have increased year after year. So for example, to give you more specific numbers. For the same liter of gas, today we are paying 30% more than what we were paying for, for that liter of gas last year. If I go in the real estate sector, as you've all noticed, houses are being sold 30% and even in some cases more than 30%. Um, so 30% plus more than what they were being sold for last year. If I go to food, the cost of food has increased by a number of between 4% and 20%. So you, your, your food bill has increased between 4 and 20% compared to the same time last year, depending on what you're buying and where you're buying that. So, this concept of inflation is actually um, summed up in the, the increase of cost of life, the cost of goods and foods that you are acquiring. So inflation is actually relatively simple. I'm not saying necessarily easy, but it is simple to predict. Because for many people, this is news that, yeah, we are seeing a, a high inflation right now. But actually, inflation is generally simple. Again, not necessarily easy, but simple to predict, contrary to what you may have heard. And I have personally been discussing this subject in my private circle since the pandemic hit. And um, what we're going through right now would have been anticipated last year. And that's not um, a secret and it's not mystical to anybody 
knowing where to look for their cues. I mean, nobody could tell precisely what the percentage of inflation we're seeing today would be, or and nobody can tell you really what it will be next year, etc. But we can really predict with a high probability that there will be inflation and inflation that happens quickly depending on the economic situation. I say that because um, there are reasons, there are some basics that when you understand them, you can look for cues to know what's coming ahead of you in the world of economy. Uh, now, like again, like I said, I'm not saying you'll be able to predict by how much uh, the prices will rise, etc., but you will be able to know the general trend of the economy. And if you understand the basics of economy and money, you'll be able to see that coming. And the inflation we're seeing today can be explained by three main things. It actually can be traced back to more than three things, but I, I just want to keep it to three things to make it simple and to just give you the, the information that you need to make wise decisions. So I'm talking about that because I want to lay the foundation for what I'll share with you next, probably next week. Because today we probably won't have a, a let's get practical section because I want to, to lay the foundation so that we have a clear understanding of what's going on and what's potentially coming ahead of us. Then I'll be able to tell you exactly the type of things you can do, the practical things you can do to actually not be caught off guard. So that's why I'm taking the time today and uh, follow me, follow me slowly. I just want to lay the foundation so that you can understand how these things work so that you can avoid being caught off guard. We're all, we're all human. We could be caught off guard. Uh, that's not the question. But the question is, is there a way that we can actually reduce the likelihood of not being prepared and rather prepare ourselves better so that we are not caught in reacting mode, but um, that we are rather the ones that are the lights in, in, in this season. So in the next episode, I'll give you those practical insights and tips that you can implement in your own situation to be better off. But today, I want to start by giving you the foundation. So I started saying earlier that a few moments ago that this inflation that we're seeing now can be traced back to three main things. More than that, but I'm going to limit it to three main things. And these things are the supply and demand. That's number one. Number two, the debt. And number three, the supply chain issues. Well, I can hear some of you saying, <laughs> whoa, bull, this just went way over my head. And I understand that. So I want to take the time to go through each of these points here. So I mentioned supply and demand. I mentioned the debt. And I mentioned the supply chain issues. So let me 
break this down a bit more in plain English. So the rising cost of goods, what we're seeing now, can be traced back to these three things. Number one, when I talk about the supply and demand, what I mean is simply the fact that in the market, in the economy, the basic layer, so the foundation, it's made of transactions. And transactions are nothing more, nothing less than two parties exchanging things. Nowadays, it's two parties. So one is probably buying and the other one is selling. And one is selling probably goods or services or financial products, meaning financial assets, and the other one is buying them. So whether we're talking about goods or services or financial assets, and you have a market where you have buyers and sellers, Every time you have more buyers than sellers, what happens to the price of that thing that is being sold or bought? You guessed it, the price increases simply because you have more demand than what the supply, the level of supply is. It pushes the price of that good service or financial asset higher. And that's what I mean by supply and demand. And as it pushes it higher, inflation happens, meaning the cost of those goods and services increase. So I'm, I'm uh, simplifying it to the extreme just for the sake of simplicity, but it's nonetheless um, an, a, a real illustration that you can take and use to help you be better prepared. The second thing that I mentioned was debt. And when I talk debt, understand me that as consumers, we can have debt. But institutions also have debt. And when you're considering the economy in a country, the largest, so the biggest buyer and the biggest seller. It is actually not you and I, but it's typically the government. Generally, the government is the biggest buyer and the biggest seller in an economy. Like I said before in the first point, the supply and demand point, you need to have a buyer, you need to have a seller exchanging goods, services, financial assets for money uh, or debt. And in an economy, government is generally the big buyer and the big seller. So when I'm talking about debt, this is what happens. And I'm going to take the example of just recently, um, um, last year, when the pandemic hit, what happened? What did the government do? The government got into debt, into more debt, to borrow money in order to give people money, to give money to the population, to help businesses, to help consumers, individuals, etc. But when the government goes into debt so that they can have money to give to people, 
What really happens is that the government sells what is called bonds. A bond is a financial asset that the government is selling to anybody who would want to buy in order to finance what they need to do. So, in this case, we had the government of Canada going into more debt in order to bring money, give cash to people. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not getting into politics here. So, if you're getting mad or frustrated because I'm talking about the government, that's really not the point. I'm just talking about how this economic system works. And it's the same here. It's the same if it was a conservative government or a a, a new democratic party or green, whatever. It would be the same principles. The, the system works the same. And it, it's, it works the same regardless of country. So what I'm explaining here is just, again, to lay a foundation for what I'm going to tell you next, probably towards the end of this show or in the next show. So again, when government needs money, they issue bonds so they can get the money. And generally, who buys the bond? Yes, there are programs that allow uh, um, individuals like you and I to buy those bonds from the government. When we do so, uh, what it really simply is, is that we are lending the government some money, believing they'll have enough. They will have enough to repay us, uh, uh, repay the interest, and uh, we can get our money whenever we want. So yes, individuals can buy the bonds, but the main buyer of bonds when the government issues them is the Bank of Canada. In the case of Canada, and in in US, it's the central bank. So this is the institution that actually controls the amount of money that is being circulated in the economy, in the country. So when there are crises, when situations are tough, governments issue bonds and the Bank of Canada or the central banks print money. When I say print money, it's like you would be in your home, you have a printer and you say that you need money, so you just write on your computer like $100 and you print it and that's money. So that's exactly what the Bank of Canada, central banks in general do. They print money and buy the bonds that the government is issuing, that the government is selling. So that money that just got printed out of thin air comes in the the accounts of the government, and the governments can now spread that in whatever programs to what to whoever they want to give the monies to. But because this is money that is printed out of thin air, and there's no real asset backing that money that was printed, it's literally cash that doesn't have intrinsic value. And that money goes into our system. So suddenly, you have a whole bunch of money. And in our case, Canada printed 
over 400 billions and added that in the economy, in the Canadian economy. That's actually way, way more than any other rich country did. So again, I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking economy. So please forgive me. Don't get mad. I would be saying the same thing if um, it was a conservative government or any other government in power. So Canada printed 400 billion, which is way more money than any country printed to fund the economy last year and this year. So when you have that much money circulating, yet you haven't produced more, meaning actually things were stalled. So productions, uh, plants, etc. Things did not suddenly increase in the marketplace. Like goods and, and, and services did not increase. It was the contrary. So when you have that much money in the system, yet the goods that were produced, their quantity did not increase, what happens? It happens that you have more money available to buy the same quantity of things or even fewer things. You combine that with the fact that there's more people wanting to buy things that, than there is actually things available, it pushes the prices higher. So you have more money chasing down fewer goods, it pushes the prices higher, and that also partly explains the sharp rise in inflation that we're seeing now. The third point that I mentioned earlier, after the supply and demand, after the debt, which I just talked about. The third thing that I talked about was supply chain issues. Because most of the things that we consume, that we buy here in Canada, and it's the same in, in, in many countries, in many rich countries, are not produced locally. So what happens is those goods have to be imported and when we're talking about importation, importing goods, it means that somewhere in another country, most likely Asia or Europe, goods have to be produced there, have to be loaded on trucks that will take those goods to railroads or directly to the ports. The ports have to have ports staff to handle the goods. The ports have to have containers to put the goods inside the containers. Well, actually, containers would be even before that, but there has to, have to be containers so that the goods can be put in the containers. Then you have to have available ships to load the containers and take them to another continent. So if it was in Asia, for example, leaving Asia and coming to North America, like Vancouver, like the west coast of Canada or the west coast of the U.S., then when it gets to this continent, 
again, it gets to a port. That port has, you have staff, unload the ships, store the containers, load the containers into trucks. So we need to have trucks running. And uh, those trucks would take those containers to the railroad or directly to um, warehouses inside the country. And from there, our stores can be supplied. So I just tried to briefly explain the supply chain so that you can understand the issues that are going on right now with that supply chain. The other day, I was listening to uh, uh, Reb in the Let's Talk Money show Fridays at 9 a.m. on CHRI. So Dave and Reb uh, were talking about the fact that Reb didn't even know if she was going to print her book, if, if she would be able to have her book printed because the printer didn't have paper. This is a symptom of the supply chain issue. So again, trucks deliver the goods to the railroad or to the ports. The ports have to load them on containers, containers on ships, ships to the other port across the ocean um, in another continent. When it gets there, you have staff that have to unload it, put it on trucks. The trucks take it to the railroads uh, or to the warehouses directly. And from there, the stores, etc., are supplied. But what happens with the supply chain is the supply chain has been working like clockwork with precision. And that was intentional to make the supply chain efficient. So the supply chain needs generally predictability so that it can actually align, plan things to avoid waste and to maximize profits for everyone involved in the supply chain. But what happens when you have a crisis like COVID, when for a period of time everything stops and whatever gets shipped is mainly um, uh, uh, protective, uh, personal protective equipment going to countries like uh, continents in Africa, uh, like Africa, South, uh, uh, South America, etc. So people are at home. There's not much consumption. What moves the most are these things, these equipments uh, for safety to fight COVID. Then when restrictions in countries started being lifted, people are coming out. They want to buy. They want to enjoy life. So now demand increases sharply. All of a sudden, it increases sharply. And you're now facing something that was not easily predictable by the supply chain. And now you have to scramble to bring back empty containers that had gone to supply protective equipment to different uh, continents. You have to bring them back. Then you have to line up the trucks. You have to find uh, truck drivers in the countries, truck drivers that actually, because they didn't have jobs as truck drivers, because nobody needed um, uh, to have uh, trucks driven, well, they reconverted into other types of, of stuff like uh, working in stores, etc. So no truck drivers. So difficult to move things across countries. So that creates bottlenecks everywhere in the supply chain. And it causes the price of the supply chain or of imports to really go higher. I mean, even before the pandemic, there were things that started um, uh, indicating that prices were going up, but the pandemic really exacerbated things. 
So now we have the combination of these three things. Supply and demand, debt, and issues in the supply chain that are actually contributing to the sharp rise of the cost of goods and services that you are buying, that you and I are buying. Now, it is not a bad thing in itself to have inflation because inflation simply means that the economy is going, that things are rolling, people are buying things, there's money circulating, so it's good. The problem is when inflation goes beyond a healthy level. And a healthy level has been recognized to be around 2%, something like that. So when inflation is below 2%, the central banks like the Bank of Canada lower interest rates so that people can be enticed to get more debt because interest rates are low. And when people get more debt because interest rates are low, they can spend more and the economy goes back up again, which rises, um, makes the price of uh, goods and services rise, and then we get the inflation back up. But when inflation goes past 2%, in this case, we are above 4%, but in reality, we are way above 10% for many of the goods and services that we need. The governments or the central banks also play a role in that. And that's where they increase interest rates to discourage people from borrowing. And when people are no longer borrowing, well, they get less cash that they can spend, so less spending. And there's a whole other chain of reactions that happen to push the price of goods and services down. Thus. These are some things they are using to try and maintain the inflation at 2%. But in this case, we are way above that 2%. We are way past 4% in reality. And next week, I'm going to continue on this subject and get into more practical things, things that you can do to be in a good position, things that you can do to avoid being caught off guard and regretting and making costly mistakes. Next week, I'll dive more into that. So tune in at 9 a.m. next Monday on CHRI. And meanwhile, you can re-listen to this show or other episodes on chri.ca or on thrive1110.ca. While you're there, ask us questions that you have, comments, suggestions. You can also actually catch it on Spotify and iTunes, Drive 1110. And we will be continuing next week. That's it for today, folks. My name is Bol Kere, your host, and this is Drive 1110. When honest people prosper, the whole city celebrates. Thrive 1110. To learn more or to connect with Bold, go to thrive1110.ca.